Y'all can sit down. You may say, Chuck, what was that all about? I have no earthly idea. But I did not do that at 9 o'clock because a half dozen people would have dropped dead. Which may not be all bad, but... You can't say stuff like that and be a pastor. I would have grieved deeply. I was sitting back there minding my own business, Zach. And I'm listening to y'all saying I'm a child of God. I was chosen, not forsaken. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you not get fired up about that? I mean, seriously. Today, like Bobby said, it is Pentecost Sunday. Now, you may have grown up in a church like I did. Pentecost Sunday was never celebrated. I mean, the, the further to the right of fundamentalism you get, the less you may have been taught about Pentecost Sunday. Now, if you grew up in one of those churches where they, swang, they, they were swinging from the chandeliers and running around the room, you definitely celebrated Pentecost Sunday because you probably went to a Pentecostal church. Now, if you grew up a United Methodist, I don't know what to do for you. Because it's possible you don't even know what's going on here today. But I want to introduce you to Jesus. So Pentecost means 50th. That's all it is. It's, it's not a term for a denomination. Pentecost literally means 50th. And like Pastor Bobby said, 50 days after Passover, where the Jews celebrated Passover, 50 days later, they had this festival. It was one of three festivals that people that were Jewish came from all over the world and were expected to be in Jerusalem. Now they came from about three different continents, about 16 different speaking languages, and they would come to Jerusalem. And when they would come to Jerusalem, the gift they brought to the Lord was called the first fruits because Pentecost had been celebrated before the Spirit of God showed up in Jesus' time for centuries. They'd been celebrating first fruits as a celebratory time, one of three times that all of the Jewish nation were to gather inside of Jerusalem. So it's a big deal. Tens of thousands of people are inside the walls of Jerusalem, and they came to bring first fruits. Now you say, but but Chuck, I don't understand that if the Spirit of God came then, where was the Spirit of God all the other time? Well, if you remember last week, we talked about this. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What we know about the God who created heavens and the earth is that this is God the Father, creator and sustainer. Okay? Then right behind that, the second part of the Trinity of God, which is three parts, In the middle part there is the Son of God, Jesus. So all of us from the time of Adam and Eve were born with a nature to break God's nature and rule. That's what we call a sinful nature. Now, we don't like to think of that way because we like to think of ourselves as good people, right? And I think from a human perspective, we probably are. But from a God perspective, we're far from good. Because he's perfect, we're not, right? So even this morning in our humanity, we've already sinned. Like that BMW 5 Series that drove up on me on Peachtree Industrial that was honking his horn and blessing me this morning, I did not think, you know, what a sweet fella. Let me just stop and share Jesus with him, you know? Because there's a part of me that thought, if I slam on my brakes, I will mess up his day, you know? But I didn't do that. But in my mind, I thought worse. I've already sinned, right? Well, based on that, we all have. And the scriptures, by the way, tell us that. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God means God's perfection. We're not. So in our perfection, we're not in right relationship with God. So God has this wonderful plan to redeem us, mean to restore us and bring us back into right relationship with God. He sends his second part of himself, Jesus. Now you say, well, where has Jesus been before Christmas? Well, he always has been. Because the Bible not only says God created the heavens and the earth, but it says in the beginning was the word. We're talking about Jesus himself. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we know God the Creator and Jesus the Son have been there from the very beginning of time. And then you say, but what about this Spirit of God? Did He show just show up at Pentecost? And the answer is no. Because when you read the creation story, you also read that the Spirit of God was hovering over all the waters. So what we have is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all at creation and all in tune and in effort, all through the Old Testament, the people of Israel, and moving forward, and then Jesus shows up because he offers for me and for you an opportunity to be right relationed with God. And so the only way that could happen is that Jesus would die on a cross, shed his blood, and that was the sacrifice that was paid for your sin and for mine. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. My sin killed Jesus. Your sin killed Jesus. But watch this. He voluntarily said, I'll die, because three days later, he rose from the grave and conquered death and conquered Satan and conquered sins so that you and I could live. God the Father, God the Son, one amen would be cool. And then, watch this. Now the Trinity, as Bobby said, Jesus promised his disciples. He said, now, I want you to hang around here a few days. Because 40 days after his resurrection, it says Jesus ascended to heaven and is sitting by the right hand of the Father, even now, right now, praying for you. But he said to his followers, he said, sit tight. In a few days, I'm going to send you an advocate, a helper. Thank you, Lord. Now watch this. He even said who that helper would be. Ten days after that, about 120 people and the 12 apostles are gathered together in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, the gift of first fruits, where people would bring their first harvest, their best of everything, the firstborn lamb. They would bring the first of everything because the first of everything was the best of everything. It was the untouched of everything. It was the cleanest of everything. And in the middle of all these thousands of people in Jerusalem to celebrate this on Pentecost, Jesus had promised, said, still, I'm sending you the helper. Now watch what happens in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So now watch this. This, this Holy Spirit doesn't blow into town and mess with everybody. This Holy Spirit blows into town and messes with the believers. Amen. Okay, now watch this. They were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, we're not, we're not talking about here just like I'm, I sat underneath an air conditioning vent. We're not talking about I turned on a fan. I mean, we're not talking about we had, we had kind of a windy day. Because in a minute we're going to hear that all the people in Jerusalem knew they heard something and it was absolutely supernatural. It was a supernatural wind that had blown into this home. And when it blew into this home, it was a mighty roar. You know when you watch the news and you see here in the deep south where a tornado lands? And they always pick the one person that has two teeth to interview. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? And, and what do they say? What did it sound like? Sound like a train come through Ontario Bar. That's what it sounds like, right? I mean, that's, and then you talk to the person next door to them, and you know what they say? Sound like a mess of trains coming through there right there. If you don't know what I just said, welcome to the South. The wind blew through, and it was a mighty roar. But now watch this. It, it didn't mess up the house. It, it, didn't, it didn't mess up the chairs. It didn't mess up the furniture. It messed up their soul. That wind blew in them. The Spirit of God arrived and blew in them. It blew through them. It, it saturated them. They felt it. What was it? They felt the Spirit of God falling on them. The Spirit of God as it literally began to dwell inside of them. Oh, it got better. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. At this point, if I'm in the house, I am totally freaked out. 
But remember, we, it doesn't say that flames fell on them. It says it looked as though flames had fallen on them. What's the difference? Well, well the difference is what you see. The difference is what you see. I wonder when I look at the story and I read the story, I think to myself, how many of us have ever had this sense that the Spirit of God is blown such that we feel it? That the Spirit of God has arrived such that we see it? Well, it gets a little better. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them his ability. And now all of my Southern Baptist friends are like, Chuck, you've gone way too far now. We ain't going there. We ain't going there. Yeah, we are. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Now, this is absolutely so issuing, it's so fascinating to me. So, let's just imagine for a minute that... Uh, you are from France and you speak French and you're from Germany and you speak German and you uh, speak Afrikaan and then you're from Jamaica or you, you speak Spanish or I just keep going on, right? And let's just say we got 16 different languages in this room and all of a sudden what's happening is the Holy Spirit has blown in and let's say I'm one of those people in the house and I have felt the Spirit blow in. I have seen in that fire the Holy Spirit fall on somebody and now those people are speaking to me when they barely speak English as I do now they're speaking German and French and African and every person in there is hearing in their own dialect the story of Jesus the Lord and what we're seeing here is the fulfillment of the Great Commission where Jesus says we are going to tell the whole world oh it just gets better they were completely Amazed. Whew. You got to pick that pen up, bro. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. Oh, now listen, Brother Tal, you know what they're saying. They're from Galilee. These are simple people. They're farmers. What in the world do they know? Well, they're dumb as a rock. They're not from a city, folks. What do they know that they're talking about? <laughs> And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Thyrgra, and I don't even know how to say the next one, Egypt and all the areas of Lib Lib Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them. Go figure. You let God show up somewhere and you know what we got? Somebody was saying, yeah, you can't do that in church. That's, that's not what we believe. That's not, that's not what, that's, uh, you can't do that. And all the while, do you think God the Holy Spirit gives a hoot about what we think? I mean, do you really think when it gets down to the orthodoxy of how we do church, do you really think that the Spirit of the living God looks at us and says, don't, do, don't get too carried away? I mean, I don't want you to get too excited. I don't want you to get too filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what happens? It's like a fire that we take a five-gallon bucket of cold water and just throw it on it. But I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you were amazed and perplexed at what God's done in your life? Seriously, when's the last time you were amazed at what God has done in your life? Because if you're sitting here today and you're saying, Chuck, I don't know that I've ever been amazed personally at what God's done in my life. Let me introduce you to Jesus, the Son, who will give you the Holy Spirit. Because I'll promise you, I'll promise you, he ain't playing games. Jesus, the son of the living God, wants to give you the spirit of the living God to dwell inside of you that you might live in the power and the presence of Jesus, the Lord. But he ain't playing around. So, what are you waiting on? 
Why aren't you amazed? Because we humans like to control everything. We don't like to accept anything we can't understand. Yeah, Western American church, we love to control stuff. We want to put people in boxes and they act like this and they act like that. And if we do this, then they do that. And all the while, I think the Spirit of God looks at all that as foolishness. I think the Spirit of God looks at that and says, I'm asking you to turn me loose. That you might be amazed and perplexed at the wonders that come in the Spirit and the power of Jesus the Lord. Father, thank you. Cause us to be amazed. Cause us to even be perplexed. God, get us out of our control freak mode and allow you to breathe within us and cause us to love you more and chase after you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And a thousand more amens. Come on. Let's worship and I'll come back and finish. As we, um, we head into this next moment of worship, I invite you. I know I see many people standing and you're more than welcome to stand with us. But like Pastor Bobby said earlier, we, we invite you into a posture of worship right now. Whatever that looks like for you, if, if it's kneeling, kneel. If it's coming to this altar, come to this altar. If it's standing, stand. If it's raising your arms and receiving the message of these songs, then do it. Do whatever the Lord prompts you and your spirit to do in this time. But these songs may be new for you. They, they may not be new for you. We invite you to lean into these words and these prayers with us. Atmosphere is changing now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place, fill our hearts with your love, your love surround. Spirit of the Lord is 
living God, Spirit of the living God. We only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God. We want to know. Spirit of the living God. I think what Babby Mason was singing about was that she walked into a room like this. She heard the story of the living God, the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit said to her, Oh, rise. Oh, rise. Then the next part was so special. She 
to stand before the throne in the presence of the Holy One. Oh, rise. Oh, my friend. They were the mockers, and they said, these people must be drunk. It says in verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles, because they'd already replaced Judas by now, and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is too early for that. Come on, that's funny. I don't care who you are, that's funny. Now, for those of you that grew up in a church where some pastor said to you, you know, the, the, the wine that the Bible's talking about was unfermented. Don't believe that. When Jesus made the wine in that first miracle, he made the good stuff. He didn't make Welch's. Come on now, you're getting with it now. And he didn't make Boone's Farm. He made the $300 bottle stuff. And watch this. Peter said, they're not drunk like you think on first wine. Because remember, it was first fruits. So when they were talking about these folks must be drunk, they must be drunk on the good stuff. And Peter's like, no, they're not. No, 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 no. Listen to this. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. No. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, but if you go back to the Old Testament to the prophet Joel, here's what he had to say. Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike, and I will cause wonders in the heaven and on earth. Come on. And so Peter goes on and he's got thousands of people around him and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Sounds just like Joel, doesn't it? Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Come on, this is sounding like the Old Testament. And in those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, come on. And if you go on down to verse 21, then he says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Woo! And at that point, and at that point, Peter probably said something like this. So if you want to believe, now's your time. Amen. Now's your time. You say, well, Chuck, what's this have to do with me and Sugar Hill Church and where I'm at sitting here right now? Well, now watch this. There was a story in the Old Testament where the people, Zach, they built this big tower. It's called the Tower of Babel. And they built it because they believed they would reach God's heights. God disrupted it. And he ceased all the work because he said this one statement. He said, you know, if, if you speak all in one language, you could accomplish anything. So he disturbed them by they all started speaking in different languages. And now we fast forward all the way to Pentecost Sunday, where we've got all these different languages that have gathered in Jerusalem. And the wind is blown and we felt it. And the fire has fallen and we've seen it. And the tongues have spoken and we've spoken and we've heard it. And while we're there with those senses alive, Peter and the others are speaking in the native tongue of the people that are there so they can hear the power and the presence of Jesus himself. And Peter says, now's the time. And 3,000 plus said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. You say, well, wait a minute, Chuck. So is, is there any more to Pentecost? We just got started. We ain't got time to go in it today. But the big story is this that the church that Jesus birthed started that day. Amen. His presence came along and the church was birthed with this beautiful, wonderful understanding that the Great Commission came to say, go. But now watch this, you go back a chapter in Acts. What we know is that Jesus has given you all authority. 
What we know is Jesus has given you all ability. What we know is the only thing that's waiting between you and ability is your availability. And Peter probably said, what are you waiting on? And they said, I'm in. My question for you, is you in? Are you in? Yes. I don't know about you, but I got to tell you something. I'm tired of playing around. I, I told this to nine o'clock crowd and I don't, I don't know how to say it without sounding weird. But I'm telling you, I've had this, I've had for three or four weeks, this walk with God, like I've never had, I've been a Christian for 52 years and I've never experienced a walk with God like I have in the last month. And I don't know what's going on in my soul, but I know this, I am done playing church. As for me and my house, let us welcome the spirit of God. Turn him loose and allow the spirit to do what only he can do. So here's what I want to ask you today. Do you want to live in the Tower of Babel or do you want to live in the Spirit of God? Spirit of God. Do you want, do you, do you want to live in creation and a spirit of sin or do you want to live in forgiveness? I mean, do you want to live in death or do you want to live in life? Do you want to live in darkness or do you want to live in light? Do, do you want to live empty or do you want to be filled with the Spirit of God? You say, well, Chuck, okay, does somebody have to hit me on the head and slay me? Do I have to handle snakes? What do I have to do? And I want you to hear me. I I personally think most of that is hogwash. I I think a lot of that is humans just getting weird. But we humans can get weird. And you know what we like to do? We like to control stuff so we understand stuff. So if we can put it, God, in a box and understand it, then we can control it. But let me tell you, you're not going to control the Spirit of God. You're not going to control God. And by the way, you had no control over Jesus. He did what he did for you no matter what you did. Yes, he did. And there's nothing you can do to earn more love from him. And the only thing you can ask for is more of him. Amen. So what are you waiting on? But you see, I desire, I long for you to walk out of this building, not living like a Tower of Babel person, but living with a person that says, I have... Jesus alive and well and the Spirit of God dwelling in me alive where you feel him where you see him where you hear him where you speak him you know there are a lot of people in the world today that just would say you know God is everywhere just God is the tree and God is the dolphin you know God is the largemouth bass you know God God is my pontoon. And you know, the word for that is pantheism. That we believe God is everything. But listen to me, friend. God is not everything. God is in everything. And there's a big difference. God is revealing himself in the beauty of a sunset. He is not the sunset, for he is so much bigger than that. God reveals himself on a lake at 6 p.m. and it's settled and quiet. God reveals himself through the sound of the ocean that rushes in. God reveals himself when you sing and you feel overwhelmed. God is not the song. God is in the song. You are not God. God is in you. But if he's not, you never feel it. You never see it, you never share it, you never hear it. Because you see, all you gotta do is ask for it. You, you can't buy it. It's, it you, can't even, you can't even get it at Bucky's. The one lady's been to Bucky's, she knows what I'm talking about. Seriously, it's like the brand smart of gas stations. Because All Peter said was, here he is, do you want him? Call on the name of the Lord. Friend, listen to me. I'm so tired of trying to tell people you gotta walk an aisle, you gotta join a church, you gotta give your money, you gotta believe exactly everything I believe. I'm so sick of that. My God's a lot bigger than that mess. My God wants to fill you today afresh and anew with his spirit and turn you loose to live in the power and the presence of his son Jesus because his spirit 
has overwhelmed your soul. Father God, today, for people watching online, for people in this room, give them courage today to call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I need you. I welcome you into my soul. Forgive me. I know I've sinned. I know I sinned. I know I'm a mess right where I'm at. God, thank you. You'll take me right just like I am. So thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. And thank you for the spirit that you will indwell me with. Now, God, let me walk with you. Let me talk with you. Let me live in your power so that I feel you and I see you and I speak you and I hear you. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. And if that's your prayer, my friend, just offer up to God right now in your heart, Jesus, that's my prayer. And if that's your heart today, I promise you, Jesus meant business with you, whether you ever join a church or not. But friend, let his spirit go to work power washing your soul. Because Jesus didn't call you to change, he called you to him. Jesus didn't call you to clean up your junk. He just called you to him. His spirit will do the work if you'll just let him. So, Lord, thank you for those today who said yes. I pray like in Peter's case, thousands of people would say yes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And a thousand more amens. Amen. Let's worship one more song, and then we'll go home. What do you say?
kind of way church it's time to go but I want to tell you I love you I cannot believe y'all let me be the pastor of this church if you lined up a hundred men thank you you don't have to do all that but if, if you lined up a hundred potential pastors and you could pick from them, I promise you, I'd be on the outside of that hundred. But I'm so deeply grateful. I really am. I'm just so stinking grateful. And I'm so grateful that you came along with me today to welcome the Spirit of God. So as you leave, let Him go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Let Him go within you, oh my stars. Let Him go within you bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. Amen. Man, I know man, this world is brutal. When things get difficult let him come behind you and pick you up because he won't carry you around the mess. Man, he's going to walk you right through the middle of it. Then he's going to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears. Kiss you, got a boy. Kiss you on the head. Wrap his arms around you so that you can hear him say, My child, say it with me. I love you. Go in peace.